0: Welcome to Reading Makes You Better In Bed, a podcast where we tell you what to read, what to watch, and stuff about a relationship
1: you didn't know you wanted to know. I'm Laura. I'm Amy. And we run Secret Book Stuff, a monthly book subscription and a club you actually want to be in. Welcome to Reading Makes You Better in Bed, episode four, recorded on Gundangara country. Now, we said last episode that we would keep you updated on our high life in the highlands now that we've moved, but today we want to share with you instead the surprising results of an Instagram poll that we did just before Christmas. So we ask you questions like, who do you think cooks or cleans more, Amy or Laura? Who kills the cockroaches? Uh, who's more romantic, etc.? And we're going to confirm or debunk the popular myths on today's episode.
0: And trust us on this one, it's definitely going to get heated. And also, we can't not talk about the words on everyone's lips now that the final season and the final episode has wrapped. And just like that, the Sex and the City reboot. And of course, while we're at it, why don't we talk about some other reboots and reunions that have been floating around on our screens lately.
1: But first, everyone knows that the new year really starts in February, February. Sometimes March, depending on when this episode airs. So, what a great time to set ourselves some reading goals for the year. But is having reading goals actually kind of a bummer, just making us feel bad about ourselves? Let's talk about it. Laura Kebb.
0: Yes. Yes, Amy.
1: How many books did you read in 2021?
0: Look, age is just a number, baby. I don't really know why we're (laughs) pressing into this
1: right now. (laughs) Yeah, look, I know that you don't really think of numbers as goals when it comes to reading. And I do respect that about you, even though it kind of annoys me because it's been such a big focus of my reading goals Mm. for the last several years.
0: You've mellowed on that. Like you've mellowed on things that you get annoyed at by me. (laughs) I
1: don't think that's true, but we'll get into that later. (laughs) Um, Tell me about your reading goals in 2021, what were they? Let's revisit that.
0: I mean, I do. And my reading goals in 2021 was the ultimate Laura Kebby cop-out because I was like, I just want to read whatever I want, which is a great goal. But quite honestly, I didn't really want to read anything. So technically, I did pass my goal. You know, I would pick pick up a New Yorker and read the Table for Two section. You know, I would read the Out on the Town section of the New Yorker. I would pick up a poetry book and maybe read a handful of this, that and the other thing. But not really a lot. I did read, you know, I'm thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reid, which was my book of the year, pretty much the only book that I read from start to finish and was like really into. But I think, you know, yeah, my goal was just to read whatever the heck god dang I felt like.
1: Yeah, that is such a Laura Kevy cop out, but I I do respect it. And I think that maybe if we're going to play the numbers game, a better question to ask you would be, how many books do you think you read a part of in 2021? Like, because we'll get into this in a future episode, but Laura's reading habits really annoy me. And it is that she will pick up a book, read maybe the first chapter, maybe just somewhere in the middle, a few pages. She'll mull over the language and the sentences and she'll read something out to me and she'll be like, wow, this is really good.
0: So and she pretentious. She way, away
1: and never finishes it, never reads it again. Like, it's so fascinating to me because I... Can't do that. Like, yeah. I start a lot of books and I tend to get distracted by other books, and sometimes I finish others before finishing others that I started, and sometimes I just never finish them. Yeah. But I think actually this year, do you know what? Sorry, I'm just skipping ahead a bit. Yeah, go on. What I'm going to do this year is keep a list. That's
0: all we're back on you now. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, keep a list of books that I start. Not just mm. books that I have finished, because I've been really strict with myself over the years on my book list about yeah. only writing down ones that I read from start to finish. But so sometimes- you're going to fudge
0: the numbers, that's what we're saying. <sighs> we're going to faff about, we're going to lie. We're not going to lie. To the loyal no. listeners, you're no, 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 flat no, 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 out no, no. going to lie. I'm going to keep
1: separate list is what uh-huh. I'm saying. So I'm going to mm. keep a, a list of books that I started. Take like naughty
0: and nice. Um, <laughs> I think that we're getting into some
1: weird territory here. So back to you, you're goal in 2021 was to read books, whatever the hell you wanted. So do you feel like you achieved that goal? Absolutely. I did. Do you get a gold star?
0: Yes, I do. I get at least, you know, a thousand gold stars because I completed my goal. (laughs) Although to the amount of books that I, you know, started or read a line of, I reckon it's pushing triple digits for sure.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. Definitely. Mm. Maybe you should do that this year as well. You should just like keep a list in your notes on your phone or something of books Mm -hmm. that you pick up. Yeah. And hold. Okay. Fair (laughs) enough. That's too much. Um, Okay. So over to me. Yeah. My reading goal in 2021 was the same that it's been for several years. I want to say. So
0: bored. I'm yawning already.
1: God, you're so rude to me. I feel like I started this goal in maybe 2015 or 2014. I was doing my PhD. I was like in one of the final years for my PhD. I definitely remember that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mention my PhD at all last episode. (laughs) I will have you know. So. Um, I'm entitled to a little drop and run. I think it was 2015, and I've been keeping lists since then. Honestly, I can't believe that I didn't keep lists of books that I read before that. Like, Mm -hmm. who the bloody hell knows how many books I've actually read in my lifetime. I wish I had been keeping up with it, but anyway, that's something to mull over another time. Um, And my goal has been to read a book a week, or like, you know, 52 books each year. Yeah. And the closest I ever got was... 48 books so I have it to confess. It just disappoints
0: me that you got so I'm close. I'm so sorry
1: I've never hit the 52. Just pick
0: up four kids books or whatever the math is. No like... I
1: don't count kids books I'm sure <laughs> I've read heaps of kid kids books to like my young right. cousins and stuff but I don't count them and I don't count magazines that I read from start to finish and I'm talking like The Atlantic and, and stuff
0: mm-hmm. I
1: should I should count The Atlantic because that's basically a book you know yeah. once you read every single article in it those long form kind of magazines um I think I'm going to start doing that in 2022 as well. Anyway, mm-hmm. would you like to know how many books I read in 2022?
0: I would. Or in 2021, rather.
1: Oh, sorry, 2021. Yep. Go on. 41 books.
0: Oh, you got so close again. I don't I even know, know why I, really I got did, myself you know, sucked into this. You
1: know what the end of our year was like. It was a mess of hecticness. If you so- turned to me
0: and be like, look, Laura Kemp, darling, light of my life. I am nine books away or, you know, nine, Great maths, Laura. <laughs> 12 books away, whatever 11 it is books. from my goal. I need you to shut the F up. Leave me alone. I'm shutting the door and reading all of these books. I'll be like, go for a dial. I'll bring you snacks and sustenance. No,
1: I said it to you though. I said it to you leading up to the end of the year. I was like, do you think I can read these last 11 books? And, and I you said, yes. Saying, yeah, definitely. But then we would like put our heads down and keep working because that's what we had to do. Yeah. So, Anyway, I feel like that's actually pretty good. I think that might be higher than 2020, but I'd have to like trawl through my notes to check for sure. But I actually, for the first time in 2021, I did a bit of like a poll yeah. of the kind of books that I was reading, which I found quite interesting. So I read 12 books by queer authors, which I think is pretty good.
0: It's a great like, roundup.
1: That's, that's like 30%, um, isn't it? I, I don't
0: think know. It's over my head with pretty pretty quick quick math wise as we've all
1: seen. 32 books by women. Eight books by men, one collection, six books by um, authors from diverse backgrounds, which I feel like um, could be better, and I'm going to strive for that in 2022, Mm. but it was just really interesting to do the breakdown, and I also realised that I read more fiction than non-fiction this year, and I feel like the year before it was... The opposite because yeah. I listen to um, nonfiction on Audible, and so that often gets my count up quite quick on nonfiction yeah. books. So the years
0: do blend in. Yeah, as well.
1: they do, and I think that what happens is that every single year I start off really strong because it's January, and I usually have a bit of a holiday, and I just smash through heaps of books, and I'm like, oh my god, it's the end of January, and I've already read ten books. I'm and definitely going to hit my that
0: high. Until the the end of the earth, and you always fall short.
1: (laughs) Life happens, and then I start a million different books because obviously we get sent a lot of reader copies from publishers as well, and I don't always have time to read all of them all the way through. So I'll definitely read plenty of them, yeah. But I don't write them down if I haven't fully finished them, right? And I think I'm going to start changing that. But anyway, tell me, Laura. What is your reading goal for 2022? And don't say, I just want to read whatever
0: I want. (laughs) My reading goal for 2022 is to once again, broaden my reading horizon, but not in a way that I usually have done. You know, every other year I've tried to read like lots of, you know, quite obscure kind of quirky texts, the kind that you find in the basement of the Strand. If anyone has been there, you totally know what I'm talking about. But this year, I just want to read things that make me laugh. I don't have a number in mind because I'm not into that. And I think it's a bit weird, but like fully back you and fully support you. But I don't like having a number because it's all about, you know, quality, not quantity for me. Um, and this year so far, I've actually read a total of five books. One of those books was from our secret book club. Amy and Laura's secret book club. Yeah, so, you know, um, that was The Terrible by Ursa Daly Ward, which I absolutely loved. And But the others have all been, no joke, by female Australian comedians. So shout out once again to Becky Lucas, Kitty Flanagan, and Judith Lucy. I feel like Kitty Flanagan is going to be the Laura Kebby, Carolyn Kepnes, you know, vibe of 2022. Oh,
1: I forgot about you. In that I find a way
0: to continuously bring up their name in every episode. So yeah. You will. I'm at five books. Almost six, because once I finish Kitty Flanagan's new books... Like her new book, With the More Rules for Life. So really, that is like the most books I've ever read in a year, in a long time, in a long <laughs> That's time. That's
1: awesome, Laura. Congratulations. So good on me. Good, yeah, on, good me. on you. What do you think that my reading goal should, for 2022 should be?
0: I'm going to completely reneg on what we did before this, during the planning phase of this episode. And I think that you should chase the 52. And if you don't do it this time.
1: No, you said. I know. You said I should let the numbers go.
0: But you've been so close. And but I maybe, feel like no, I want you to make it.
1: Listen to me. You know how, as a person, I'm the kind of person who doesn't tend to get what I set out to do. Like, I don't hit my goals. I achieve things, but it's never really the things that I said I was going to achieve. Like, mm-hmm. if I write... You
0: go New off on Year's, a tangent, you, you pivot, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And if I write New Year's resolutions, then I usually don't hit them, but I'll hit other resolutions that I never had. Like, yeah, right. I'm not trying to say that I never do anything cool, because I definitely do. Yeah. But... um. <laughs> But, yeah, like we've talked about this before, how we're so different. Like, Laura sets her mind on something and then she gets it. Yeah. But I learned a lot during 2021 when I did that human design course about Mm. myself and my energy makeup. Mm. And it's very, very interesting to apply that to something like reading goals. So maybe what I'm trying to say is that setting myself a a 52-book-a-year reading goal is automatically making me fail at it. And if I don't set the goal... I'll probably end up reading more than 52 books anyway. So I think okay. we should try that out. Okay. So my goal is to read whatever the bloody hell I want.
0: You know what? And my Laura goal is Kebby to style. read 52 books. Oh. <laughs> I'm putting it out there.
1: This just took a real twist <laughs> that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. All right. Okay. We All right. To we, should we shake on it?
0: Yeah. Okay. Sweaty handshake <laughs> over the microphone. <laughs>
1: okay. So my goal is to read whatever the hell I want. Your goal is to read 52 books. You know what? I'm going to do 53. See what happens.
0: Oh, are you going to be so cut though if I get it? And I haven't heard anyone say
1: the word cut in a long time. <laughs> that just welcome took me right back to primary school.
0: Oh no! Welcome to 2008.
1: 2008, really? Yeah. yeah, I don't think that's true. I was like in uni by then, and I definitely didn't say cut.
0: Well, you're not cool enough. Then. I feel
1: like I was saying it to my sister when I was 12 and she was 10, <laughs> and I'm like, are you were are 12 you in 2008 though. you're just really confusing that like you should have seen the look on my face everybody she was so let down by her
0: aging anyway
1: just to recap i'm gonna read whatever i want but i am as always going to try and diversify my reading and i'm doing really well with that so far because we do have amy and laura's book club subscription which is all about sharing books with our subscribers that we have loved before and a lot of those so far have been authors of colour and queer authors, which has been Mm. amazing. Everyone's loving it. So definitely sign up. Sponsored by Secret (laughs) Bookstore.
0: I'm going to give a, you know, pose a question to the audience. If you do have recommendation of books... By funny people mostly funny women i'm also reading bossy pants by tina fey in the background of all the other ones because i'm trying to like really stretch that out because it's really good i couldn't really smash through it because it you was should read Amy
1: pollers as well yes yeah. please i liked that my yeah.
0: sister gifted that to me about five years ago and if she ever listened to this she'll be like i told you you would love it <laughs> and here i am
1: yeah that's a classic um so here's I also, to 2022. Yeah, here's to 2022. But I also just want to say to anyone out there, if you're feeling a bit let down by setting reading goals um, or by other people setting reading goals around you, I have noticed a lot of talk and chatter on Instagram lately about reading goals. And some people are starting to just kind of do away with them altogether because they realize it's making them feel a bit shit, mm. and I totally resonate with that because something that I experience on Instagram when it comes to comparison artists is when amazing bookstagrammers who I love do like monthly roundups and they take these beautiful book stack photos of all the books they read that month, and I always get FOMO not because I haven't read a lot of books but because. I can't take beautiful photos of the stacks of books because as soon as I finish a book, I literally cannot help myself. I give it to someone else. I yeah. gift it to someone else. I give it to someone who I think will really love it, or I send it to one of our secret book club subscribers or like someone who's ordered a secret book through our website. And I can't do a roundup. So yeah. this year, I'm like, am I supposed to just hold on to all my books? Until I can take a pretty photo. You just need
0: to do it in a fun way. You know, maybe we can make it some sort of list or something. Some sort of video.
1: Yeah, true. But anyway, I just want to say to anyone out there, when it comes to reading goals, you do you, babes.
0: Yeah, exactly. And on that point, actually, I just want to bring up that I used to put a lot of pressure on myself to be like, okay, you need to read some more physical books. This is what you need to do. And I'm just not, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm kind of doing away with the physical book at this point because... I just much prefer an audiobook. My brain doesn't really like to sit there and read a physical book. I'm not into it. I much prefer, you know, it's a great hobby to listen to Audible like an old man listening to the radio.
1: And there's a lot of talk as well on the gram about um people like neurodiverse readers and the best yeah. way for them to read, like getting kids into reading who are neurodiverse, great thing is audiobooks like so I think that there is a little mm. bit more acceptance out there now. And less snobbiness about physical books. And people often think that we're going to be snobby about physical books. because Heck no. Because we're secret book staff and we love books and we had a bookshop and books everything. Books are freaking heavy. Like, if you want to take um, as many <laughs> books
0: as we take on holiday and they'll be like, oh, I don't read Kindle. Come and carry our books for us yeah. on a holiday.
1: Obviously, we have a shitload of books, physical books, and we collect them too. But we also get rid of them a lot of the time and we pass them on and we gift them and we do random acts of kindness. And we have Kindles. And we both listen to audiobooks, so we're not snobby about it. You do you. There we go. Over and out.
0: (laughs) Once again, happy 2022 everyone, and good luck if you have a reading goal. If you don't,
1: have fun. (laughs) In our relationship, good listeners, we have watched Sex in the City, the OG, Mm. Sex in the City, uh, seasons one to six, and sometimes the movies several times like I would say probably once a year in our four-year relationship at least at least and I
0: usually carry on and watch it again after we've watched her together Laura has trouble letting go each time
1: um so obviously we need to talk about the thing that everybody else in the whole world is talking about and just like that and just like that ended we watched the final episode the other night. We watched the documentary. The documentary mm-hmm. was better than the entire season. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Spoiler alert.
1: Um, and look, we just have to say that we probably don't have anything super profound or different to say than everybody else out there because there's a lot of thoughts floating around. Yes. But gosh darn it, we really need to get our feelings out about we it. We do. So that's why we're here.
0: And also, if you do want to listen to a podcast that is a really great discussion of Sex in the City... You need to listen to Sentimental in the City, hosted by...
1: Carolina Donahue and Dolly Alderton. We spoke about this at length in the first episode. Yes. By the way, if you haven't listened to the first episode, go back, because you'll hear all about our love story. It's quite cute and gross. Um, anyway, and just like that, there will be spoilers if you haven't watched it yet, and if you do want to watch it, and if you care about things like that, maybe skip ten minutes ahead to when we get to the juicy Amy and Laura love stuff. But now, Laura, first question... Yes. Will you watch And Just Like That again?
0: Oh, it's a tough one. Maybe, because I feel like we skimmed, you know, like we watched it by fire. Like we really, we were so excited for this new series. We were so excited to see Carrie come back. I don't know. Were maybe. We? It, well, I, I was. I, was excited. I just realized that I was talking for us. I was really excited because I get invested in characters, and I was really excited to see them come back. But
1: we don't even like Carrie, really.
0: So. No, we hate Carrie, but like we love Sex and City, and I think mostly I was just excited to see New York back.
1: Yeah. That's
0: what I was excited about. It was
1: exciting because. In the Sex and City
0: world, right? Yeah, it was
1: like a new exciting thing that was happening, and we were obviously always going to watch it. So much hype. Look, I have a lot of respect for people who refuse to watch it and who were like, no, it just doesn't exist. Amy wishes
0: that she didn't watch it.
1: No, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, part of me does, but then the other part is just like, once, like the first couple of episodes, you, in particular, were very upset. Yeah. Like, what the hell is this sweet trash that we're watching? I
0: think I said, lazy writing, what the heck, poor effort, turn it off. Yeah. Ew, what is happening? Please and send you, help. you were,
1: you were, you were angry. <laughs> I was. But then I think as as it progressed and we watched
0: the, the nostalgia episodes, took over.
1: Yeah. And also, maybe we just got, like, accustomed to this new weird world of Sex and the City. And it's like, it was a bit boring sometimes. Not a whole lot happened, but it doesn't yeah. really matter. Like, Mm. I actually actually don't really care about it at all, so maybe I'd watch it again as, like, light background noise, but I probably don't have to watch it again at all, because it didn't have any standout moments for me. Like, there was nothing... You know, when you think back on the six seasons of Sex and the City, and we have, like, our fave episodes, like, you know, some of my favourite episodes are when Carrie goes to Aiden's country cabin. Oh, yeah. Like, I bloody love those episodes so much, and every time they come on, I'm like, oh, I love those episodes. (laughs) Fleet Week. And, like... Fleet Week is one of your favorites. Anchors Away is another you know, one. and I just feel like that didn't happen. There's nothing no. significant enough in this, and I don't, maybe it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. I just don't really care. So I'm not upset by it, but I understand that some people are just like, how dare you? You yeah. know what I mean?
0: My question to you is Were you sad when Big died? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, It's a tough one because it's like almost like a twofold question. It's like, were you sad that Big died, and also, just a caveat, we're talking about the character of Mr. Big here. Uh, We're not going to sit and comment on the allegations against Chris Knopf, and we 100% stand with, you know, the people who have made the accusations in this case. But we're just talking about Mr. Big, the character. Are you sad that Mr. Big died?
1: Um, I'm sad at the concept of it. Like, obviously, it's sad when people die. I'm having a lot of trouble answering this question because... Or are you just sad
0: because Carrie's sad? Like, are you I'm sad for her? I'm not even
1: that sad. Like, yeah, I'm sad for her because it's sad. But also, like, I just I, ha- I just found myself not really able to feel many feelings about anything that happened yeah, in right. the show. So, like, yeah, it's sad, but I wasn't like, oh, my God, this is so devastating. I was, I was shocked. I didn't yeah. think they were going to do that. Um, and I honestly think the show would have been the same quality if Big had been in it, like if he hadn't have died and it was just yeah. like, there was something else going on in Carrie's life. Like maybe it was just Carrie doing a podcast and then going home to no. Big, like everybody else's character had enough going on that it didn't, that I don't think Carrie needed to have a big drama, but obviously she she's the style of the show. So yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't I get it. Like, yeah, it was the premise of the whole thing, but also it could have been okay without death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So what about a second season?
0: I would watch it. I, I really? You know, I know that this is such a surprise to you and I only came to this decision today after going, you know what, like it's kind of like a car crash to me in a way. <laughs> it's like I want to keep watching. Maybe it's also because I want it to get better. I want them to find their feet. I want them to get, you know, it's like they've got the cobwebs out now. They know not what to do what not what not to do (laughs) you know and then now they can kind of move on and just like step into stride with the stories of the characters as they are now you know there was it was only a 10 episode season and I think that's really tough to fit in all of this exposition from however many years that it was to kind of a reintroduce these characters to probably a whole new audience they're like you know however many years older or decades older they're completely different Carrie's got a completely different life, you know. Miranda's got a completely different life. She's got like a adult son that I'm not even going to get into. <laughs> so weird. You know, Charlotte and I'm, I'm going to rant about Charlotte later on in this segment, but Charlotte has gone from this like, you know, waspy republican to god knows what. And it's like, you know, 10 episodes isn't enough to pay homage to the previous mm. seasons. Mm. Build the character like, you know, a t- you know, face head on this whole Samantha issue and Kim control issue mm. and then make a story out of it. And as well as like pleasing the audience and pleasing diehard fans where the show was their life, but then also try and create something for the new. Yeah. So,
1: it would be really yeah. hard. A um, couple of tips uh, from two professional writers here. <laughs> I do think that the season would have been improved by having Jack Berger at some moment and i think just even appearing on
0: sorry non- i can't <laughs> Do I don't can't. hate me
1: <laughs> um i feel like the post-it episode loved, if anybody
0: has not a big fan of sex and city as we are
1: um i would have loved to see carrie stumble across jack Berger's tinder profile or yep. something when she was like looking at the whole online dating thing yep. it would have been so great just to have that little like like trigger moment for the post-it breakup yep um what would you like to see
0: Gosh, I would like to see more substance from Steve. I love Steve as a character. I really identify with Steve, like, as, you know, as a person and as a partner. So I would have loved to have seen more of Steve. Um, What I would have loved to, you know... Like, it's just, just to see him, like, flourish, seeing him doing really well. And not. maybe
1: he already had and now he's, like, heading into retirement. Yeah, but that's fine. So, I understand fine. what you're saying, but I feel like maybe I just would have liked to hear a bit more about his career. Like, how did the bar go? How is Scout going? Yeah,
0: that's what I mean. Like, I feel like he had one line, you yeah. know, like, the whole time. And it's just them eating ice cream. It like, was it's... just
1: too much to cover in such yeah. a short season to introduce all those um, characters as well. So, it was hard, but I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um... All right. The the question on everyone's lips. Yeah. All across the world. Is, yeah. What do Amy and Laura think of the Miranda and Shay queer relationship? Oh. <laughs> everyone's wondering. God. Um my
0: eye roll. I don't know. I really love and, you know, after watching the documentary, shout out to Cynthia Nixon, because I know that you're listening to this and how, you know, you really championed this kind of um, queer storyline, and I also want to say that the original queer storyline was meant to be with Miranda and her professor, her law professor, Um, but that was obviously changed, you know, in the middle, and then so in enters stage left, Jay Diaz. Nah, not into it. I feel like, look, Jay Diaz wasn't funny. It wasn't very believable. I didn't buy into it, and I'm team Steve 100%. And I just feel like he got the raw end of the goddamn stick. I hate the woke button. I hate the podcast. I'm not here for it. (laughs) But I also want to champion, though, and celebrate Miranda's, you know, separate from everything else. It's very messy, but separate from everything else. Her ability to like fall into her sexuality later in life mm-hmm. you know like imagine hypothetically to you Amy if you hadn't met me now mm. what if you met me in 20 years we talk about this a lot you actually know?
1: And, and genuinely believe that at some point no matter what point in our yeah. lives that we had met that we would have ended up together and I'm not saying that in like a uh, romantic kind of way I'm just like just the facts like yeah there were so many times in my life when I You know, I always got married to a man for goodness sake, Mm. and I could have taken that path, like, could turn right instead of left. Yeah. And then found myself in a marriage and been a Miranda falling for Laura Diaz um, (laughs) with her work button and podcast. Don't
0: even, God. I feel like the concept is good, the character choice, like the character itself, not the acting. You know, the actor is great, nothing against them, but I think it's just the character. I didn't find their stand-up funny. I didn't find their podcast in any way remotely interesting. I hated the work button. I hated everything about it. But the concept of Miranda falling in love with someone who was, like, you know, from the queer community, I really loved that.
1: Can I talk now? Go on. (laughs) All right. So, it might surprise you that I've actually changed my mind about this. Oh,
0: God. (laughs) Here we go. Like, just
1: in the last 24 hours. So. Uh I am team Miranda, and I always have been. I've always loved you Miranda. You are Miranda. I'm Miranda, okay? I've always loved her the most out of any of the characters. Even when I was a teenager, I saw an affinity with myself and Miranda. And I don't like, really, the Che and Miranda thing. I feel like it just, it doesn't sing to me. I don't really believe it. I don't, Mm-mm. you know, like, there's just, there's all these, like, weird elements to it that just doesn't Rambo, feel right. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't, I just don't believe the storyline, But I definitely believe that Miranda found her sexuality and, like, that was a long time coming, I believe. And I can see, like, yes, I love Steve, but I'm team Miranda because, like, she never really wanted marriage and kids in the first place. Like, that was never her dream. That was never Mm. what she wanted to do. She was a career woman and she had trouble... like falling into that heterosexual conventional lifestyle but she did it and she gave it a red hot fucking crack. Yeah, She did it for a long time, they had a great life together they were great friends, they were always great friends and I just feel like they can still be great friends like yes, it's really hard but
0: it's just the way she did it though I I think think that she
1: should have asked Steve for an open relationship so that she could explore her sexuality Mm. but not break off their marriage entirely because I feel like it, it was always going to come to some kind of ending like that you know what I mean and I just think it like it's amazing for Miranda to make these decisions but I don't like that she became like really like kind of weird and clingy and swept and, up and, like and... swept up in shape but and I don't like it however I've been like battling with myself in my brain oh, yeah. and I have changed my mind in that I actually think it's quite believable. At first, I was like, Miranda would never be like that, Mm. but she would. Because if you think about it, Miranda never had a lot of luck in love. Like, everybody else...
0: Or hairstyles. (laughs) Yeah,
1: true. (laughs) Or fashion. Everybody else had, like, a few big love stories, Mm. and Miranda only had Steve, and she didn't really... Like, she had a few... She was always, like... She she was always really unlucky in love. And in sex and things like that. And I feel like she did she you know, she 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 never quite nailed the relationship thing until yeah. Steve came along and even then that was a struggle. And so I feel like it actually is quite believable that she would find herself in this situation where she's become like a teenager again and she's all like giggly and clingy and oh my god, what am I doing? Ah, For the like, first I'll time. follow you anywhere.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I kinda get it, and so I'm changing my tune. Okay. On whether it's in character for her or not, so that's my speech.
0: I want to ask you. Yeah. And you know, because I really want to answer this one. What was in homage to sentimental in the city your Carrie Klanger and/or the biggest cringe from the season? Oh,
1: my Carrie Klanger. Um, Carrie on the podcast in general. Ugh. I just feel like she was so cringe. Yeah, She, yeah, like I, at the very, very end when she's like got her own podcast and it's like a agony art type thing where people call in with much relationship more settled problems, in, you know, she, that, that's really great. But I just feel like, why did they shove Carrie with a Che and a what's his face? Like <laughs> I just, it just like every single time there was a scene with the podcast, I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it know. was so cringy. So that's my Carrie Clanger for sure.
0: My clanger for the season, and I touched on it a little bit and, you know, it's definitely the biggest cringe point, is Charlotte in general. And yeah, you were most, about that. Most people who, you know, maybe know that I do love Sex and the City, maybe also know that Charlotte is my favourite. Controversial opinion mm-hmm. and I'm very proud of it and I have many reasons why Charlotte is my favourite. However, the Charlotte that I know and love was swallowed up by some huge-ass woke button... And just disappeared. Charlotte was the kind of person who was like, you know, she stuck to her ways. Even if I didn't agree with a lot of the ways that she did things a lot of the time. That's just who she was. I liked how traditional she was. I loved how she just was who she was. She was Charlotte. Yeah, but you know, she
1: kept that. Like she was forced into wokeness by her non-binary daughter and she had troubles with it. And then she had to embrace it because she had no choice. Would you rather have her not embraced it? It's not
0: really to do with her family. It was like, it's more the subtleties. Like it's these, you know, um, little, little tidbits that she was kind of saying like to Miranda, you're not woke enough for that. Or like, you know, all of these kind of. When she goes to the party and she's trying to make yeah. all these like friends of color, and you know she's just trying too hard instead of like being—that's
1: classic Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte I know, but too like hard. it just—I can't believe look, I am fighting you on this. I can't explain it. I was like okay. really on your side until I can't right explain
0: now. it because it just to me it wasn't Charlotte. Yeah, and okay. that's what I have to say. That's,
1: that's fine. I have one more thing to say. Yeah, go. On. I wish that they hadn't written COVID into the show. Like, yeah. I do not need COVID to exist in the Sex and the City world. I don't care about your gloves that you wear since COVID. I don't want to know that you listened to all the albums in lockdown. Actually, that was kind of a cool tidbit. But, like, we could have just assumed that stuff. We don't Bullshit, Gary, you know
0: what... <laughs> <laughs> Cameo um, from Matthew McConaughey and One of, City. <laughs> what also
1: great episodes as LA episodes. So basically, as, as you will expect, as soon as we finished each episode on a Thursday night, we would immediately start watching another episode from the OG season. Just to like, up. yeah, cleanse our palette. Um, so thanks so much for listening to our thoughts on And Just Like That. Gosh. And if you have any ideas about how the writers could have, you know, put some other tidbits in, like Aiden... I wanted Aiden in it because Aiden is my longtime bae, but I also don't have any idea how he would have been in the show. But if you have ideas, please get at us on Instagram.
0: And there you go. And And just like that.
1: And just like that, it's over. Okay, for our final segment on today's episode, we are going to share with you the assumptions that people make about us as a same-sex couple and debunk some of the myths that are floating around out there. Yeah. So, just to go back a little bit, um, after Christmas, I decided to do an Instagram poll series where I asked people to vote Amy or Laura in a series of questions like who cooks more, who cleans more, who snores, who's yeah. more romantic, who kills the cockroaches, etc. Because I am fascinated by the assumptions that we have noticed people make about us over the years. So, we've been together for four years now. We're um, obviously in a same-sex relationship. Hi, my name's Amy. This is Laura. Uh, this is my lesbian lover, Laura. <laughs> um, and you may have picked up on this from episode one of Reading Makes You Better in Bed, which is that I am not gay. Um, Laura is oh, gay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, Laura. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Um, so I don't really identify as anything other than queer. I suppose if you want to get technical, I could be bisexual because I've been with men and I have now been with Laura as well. Mm. But I don't really care about that kind of stuff. I'm I'm not really here for the labels. But it's interesting that a lot of people who know me and know my past and know that I dated men um, have made certain assumptions about our relationship over the years in terms of the role that we might play. So people before they met Laura assumed that she was maybe quite butch. Which is interesting because Mm. I don't know if you have, if you're listening to this and you've never seen us before, um, we both look quite femme. Like, we both identify as Mm. femme and femme cis females, I should say. And I have Amy here, long (laughs) blonde hair, (laughs) Uh, big boobs. I usually wear a bit of makeup, like at least a bit of mascara or something. Mm. I wear dresses. You know, uh, but I also wear sloppy big t-shirts and Converse most of my life as well. So, hmm. you know, like you're kind of getting the picture here. Laura is covered in tattoos. Yeah. All down both of her arms. Um, but she is a soft marshmallow <laughs> if you don't know her. Yeah. So, and
0: perhaps a 1950s housewife in 1950s my housewife body. And
1: a 1950s housewife on the inside. She loves cooking and cleaning. Cleaning. <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> she loves cooking, I should say. So... This is why I find it so interesting because there are all these assumptions about the different roles that um, females play when they're in a same-sex relationship. As so, in, like a
0: lot of people assumed that I would take a very masculine role in everything because, like, Amy had masculine. you know, and Amy had never dated women before, so it was just kind of this like it was very easy for people to understand if they were like, oh well, because Laura dates women only, then therefore she will do this kind yeah. of thing, yeah. you know, which is just It's not really true.
1: It's not true at all, but it it is interesting. And you can see how like certain sections of society would just make those assumptions. Like if they have known me always to date men and now I'm dating you, they would probably assume that you would take on that kind of boyfriend role in my life. Mm. The funny thing though, is that I have never been particularly traditionally feminine in my relationships. Like as my best friend said to me when I told her about Laura, oh yeah, that makes sense because you've actually dated some pretty feminine men, yeah. like effeminate men. Mm. And <laughs> while that was a joke, it also wasn't a joke. I have traditionally taken on quite a emotionally, traditionally masculine role in mm. my relationships, um, which is, you know, like a bit of a joke among my friendship circle is it like, I am the man. You are. And <laughs> Laura is now the <laughs> woman. And that has confused many people. Anyway, to the quiz. Laura, are you happy for us to debunk these
0: yes. assumptions. I'm ready. All Hit right, me.
1: let's do it. So who cooks more? 30% of people voted Amy and 70% voted Laura. I'll
0: tell you who those 30% of people are. They're probably the 30% of people have probably tasted your lasagna and been like, "Hot oh, damn, this is really great.
1: Yes, I do make a really good lasagna. I thought you were going to say that those 30% are people who would make those kind of like, oh, well, Amy's not gay. And she, you know, looks a bit more feminine.
0: God, no! I don't have time to think that deep into it. (laughs) This is all about going. Like, I don't really know because, like, I guess, like, I don't really look like the kind of person who might traditionally love to spend time in the kitchen. However, because you're
1: like a like a a tough, tattooed, you know, kind of little lady.
0: But hot dang, I freaking love it! And at the moment, I'm working my way through cookbooks from the 1940s because I really believe in this old-school way of cooking. Yeah. But I love it. My mum was a chef in the army, so you know, loves cooking and loves food and all of that kind of stuff. So I just mm. that's it's me, not it you. It is you. I
1: love not that, that you. Can't cook. Thank I you. Just prefer, I can cook. I just don't care to.
0: I just prefer it if you didn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So who cleans more is an interesting one. Fifty-six percent said Amy, and forty-four percent. Said Laura. So I think that a lot of people assume that if you're the cook, then you're also the cleaner. No. True. This is why Laura and I are such a great match. Yeah. I love cleaning.
0: Yeah, because Kitty Flanagan says when you cook, the other person cleans up.
1: Yeah, but I don't even do it just because of that rule. Like I do it because I like to live in a clean house. So
0: maybe the 44% of those people know that I clean when you tell me to.
1: This is a really interesting one, Laura. You're gonna hate this. Who is always on time? 43% oh, said Laura and 57% said Amy. You're so all wrong. Go, on, go <laughs> on, defend
0: yourself. 57% of you are so goddamn wrong. It actually makes me cringe. <laughs> you can probably hear my eyes roll. Amy and her entire family are always late. I have to lie to Amy about the time. I have once <laughs> changed the microwave clock to be 20 minutes, you know, too fast. So at least I could maybe get Amy out the door on time.
1: It's because Laura looks a bit like a scrappy hot mess. And God. she also is like can be quite forgetful and disorganized sometimes. Yeah. However, always on time, obsessed with time because she was in the army.
0: Yeah. 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 And my whole family, none okay. of us are late. If you tell my parents to show up at 7 o'clock, I can guarantee you at 6.50 oh, yeah. p.m. When they came
1: over on Christmas. On the dot. And Laura's like, oh, they're coming over at this time. And I was like, okay, so that means 40 minutes later. She was like, no, no. No. That means the time that I told them. And yes, they were on yeah. time. On time. <laughs> Much to my dismay because I did not factor that in.
0: Swimmingly, things anyway, go. Anyway,
1: who snores? said Laura, 38% said Amy. You look like a snorer. You you do look like a snorer.
0: (laughs) But you do snore as well. But I will say. Only when I'm
1: sick.
0: I I will say that I'm unfortunately. Laura snores every single time. I'm a very chronic snorer. Yeah, it's bad. Like borderline Um, sleep apnea, stop breathing kind of
1: snorer. Yeah, we need to sort that out. (laughs) Who Cries More? Very interesting. This is another one that I think is quite (laughs) fascinating and I think has a lot to do with the assumptions based on the roles that people think we play in this relationship and what we look like. I look softer. You have like a resting, angry woman face, (laughs) as I say to you all the time, and you have the tattoos and everything. And, like, Laura's, you know, if we have to play good cop, bad cop, Laura is always the bad cop. I am always the bad cop. perpetual people pleaser. Yeah. And, you know, I admit that. So... 37% Thirty-seven percent said Laura cries more and sixty-three percent said Amy. And I just want everyone to know that Laura is <laughs> the biggest crybaby I have ever
0: met in my life. She's always fucking crying. I'm, like, I'm so like if I see someone else crying that I know, I will immediately well up. Like it comes from my belly. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. then it's really fascinating that like my nana, God bless her soul, was exactly the same. You would see her watching a TV and she just <laughs> bursts into tears. You give her a great present for Christmas and she bursts into tears. Yeah, you're a man- Hello, Laura Kev. It's it's a burst into tears family we live in.
1: Okay. Who does the grocery shopping? 39% said Amy and 61% said Laura. So I just need to say to the 39% of you, thanks for thinking of me, but fuck no. I cannot think of anything worse than doing grocery shopping. I hate it with passion. That is Laura's job.
0: I'm so glad because I've officially banned Amy from grocery shopping and I tried, especially in the early stages of our relationship, especially in the early stages of us moving in together. I was like, oh, do you want to come? Like you know, it might take a bit. I've got to do this, that, and the other thing. Laura just
1: dawdles. Like yeah. she goes to the grocery shops. For it's fun. It's an just
0: event for me. Wanders through
1: the aisles. Like she's yeah. got nowhere else to be. Like I'm a busy lady. Okay.
0: Yeah. Spoiler alert for anybody who ever sees me grocery shopping and I'm carrying a cake cup. Hot take. It's a cocktail. And I'm not even <laughs> going to joke so about true. it. It is so true because <laughs> I deserve it. And I literally said to Amy, I was like, so I'm going to go to like the shop. Should I like drop you off at a cafe? Because now you know the major shopping. Coles is quite far from where we live yeah. so I drop you off at a cafe yeah, yeah and I was so relieved like my whole body relaxed knowing that you weren't coming because then I could go at my own pace
1: yeah it's true thanks and not be bothered okay who fixes things around the house we have 24% saying Amy and 76% saying Laura and I reckon that's, that's probably pretty fair. about true like you like fixing things I'd yeah. probably fix things if I wanted to but no time and patience way too busy yeah so you kind
0: of give it one crack and you're like oh Yeah. And then you call me in. Yeah, and that's enough. Yeah. So
1: Laura does it. Who reads more? 82% said Amy and 18% Laura. Correct. Yeah. So I think that's just because obviously the people voting are the people who follow us on Instagram and they see that I'm the one who's always reading and talking on the gram. So that's fair. Who is snobbier about books? (laughs) 14% Amy, 86% Laura. Yes. Excellent 100%. work, everybody. 100 Laura 100%. is definitely the biggest snob. I think a lot of those people would have listened to our radio show and heard yeah. you be snobby over the years. Oh,
0: hundy, as my boss Rachel says, which I'm quite keen on, that little phrase. What does that mean?
1: Hundy, like 100%. Hundy. Yeah. Oh, wow. You've okay. got to say
0: it with a New Zealand accent. I'm not going to try and I'm not going to butcher <laughs> it, but it yep. sounds a lot better with a New Zealand accent.
1: <laughs> All right. This is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Who deals with the cockroaches and or spiders in the house? <sighs> 67% said Laura and you are all incorrect.
0: Well, cockroaches me a lot no, of the time. No. I'm the one who gets up no, and springs up. And d- spiders, though, I'm not here for it. Know,
1: if you see a cockroach, you usually say, eh, there's a cockroach. Go and get it.
0: Oh, I've seen no. you squeal.
1: <laughs> yes, I don't like them. But I'm going to squeal and I'm going to deal with it. Yeah. And Laura is terrified of spiders and I am not scared of spiders. I'm not so.
0: terrified of spiders. I would
1: just rather not because they just freak me out a little bit. Well... I would say that's a bit of terrification, wouldn't you?
0: Uh, Good on.
1: (laughs) Okay, who is more romantic? 68% said Laura, 32% said Amy.
0: Should we talk about that?
1: What do you want to talk about?
0: Should we talk about that? Should we talk about who is more romantic?
1: Well, I just think that a lot of people who answered this question would have known. Hmm. Would have known, would have heard whispers of us talking. They probably listened to the first episode of the podcast. Is
0: this your sign to be more romantic?
1: Why? I don't feel like I need to prove this people wrong. They got it right. What about me? What about me? What about I me? Don't care for you. <laughs> no, that's not what it's about. All right, who made the first move? Sixty-two <sighs> percent said Laura. Thirty-eight percent said Amy. Mm.
0: This that's is an interesting one. It's, it's debatable. One.
1: It is debatable. Down because, to the video umpire. Down to the as light. you will know from listening to episode one, if you haven't pop back on there. But just to quickly recap, Laura asked me for coffee. Laura kissed me, but I told her I loved her and asked her to be my girlfriend. So I feel like there was a lot of, like, even move-making around there. So, mm, Mm. interesting. Who said the first I love you? 54% said Amy, and that's probably because they listened to the podcast. So well done, you. It's correct. I did say I love you first.
0: Yeah. Oh, this is an interesting one. This is
1: going to get juicy. Who would be the one to propose? Oh, 68% 68% said Laura, 32% said Amy. Do you know what? I'm not allowed
0: to propose.
1: <laughs> I was just about to say, I think that we should leave that to another episode. <laughs> so Laura has just uh, given the little teaser that she's not allowed to propose. And we're going to explain that in great detail in another Love Stuff segment in a future episode. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon?
0: Yeah, good on you. <laughs>
1: just, <laughs> just to leave a little something, a little Easter egg as Taylor Swift would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just did a poll about Bo being the goodest boy. So that he was is really good fun. He is
0: the boy. There but, you go. yeah,
1: what do you have to say about all of that?
0: I mean, it's hard knowing the assumptions about people because, like, me in particular, there are many facets of my personality that probably don't fit with each other. You know, like... I'm a huge punk music fan, but I also know pretty much every song in Judy Garland's back catalogue. So... And you were in the
1: army. I was. And you have tattoos, but yeah. you bought yourself a KitchenAid and you're obsessed with household manuals from the 50s. Yes.
0: I you're am. You're an anomaly. To quote Popeye, I am what I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it is pretty interesting. What do you think about me? Um. think some The Some
0: it's hard because, it like, you're just you. And that that's the thing. Like, us as a relationship unit, we're us because we've kind of come at it really organically, you know. Full, we're both fully formed people and then we were fully formed people walking alongside each other.
1: If somebody really uninformed and stuck in a hetero viewpoint were to say to us, so who's the man and who's the woman? Oh, yeah. Which is definitely something that is said to... Uh, same sex couples out there all the time by the way. Mm.
0: What
1: what would you say to them? I mean, oh god, I don't even know if I'd bother answering the question,
0: but like what is what's the yardstick? Like who can start the lawnmower? Who like <laughs> oh, yeah, that's
1: true because has a samurai sword
0: collection? Like what are you doing? You well, know, yeah yeah.
1: Like, I mean obviously there is there is big conversation you to you know, traditional views views of masculinity and femininity femininity and everything in in you want
0: you want to measure masculinity starts who starts the lawnmower and who you the lawn? It is me. So there you go.
1: But you want to measure masculinity by who can, like, you know, kind of keep their emotions in check and Mm. is usually a little bit more aloof than the other person and less romantic and maybe less eager to talk about their feelings Mm. Then I would be the man. So I feel like the moral of the story is we are an excellent match. Do you want to be my girlfriend?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'll catch you later. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody, once again, for listening to episode four of Reading Makes You Better in Bed. Hot dang, we love making this goddamn podcast and hanging out with you, so thank you everyone. Hot every- dang, drippity
1: drive, my name's
0: Laura.
1: <laughs> what is to you Hot dang, we just love this woke moment.
0: <laughs> Speaking of, we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Reading Makes You Better In Bed with Amy and Laura from Secret Book Stuff.
1: Don't forget to subscribe, leave us a lit review, and you can find us at secretbookstuff.com. I think you're too old to say that now, darl. This podcast was recorded on the unceded lands of the Gundungara people. We pay our respects to First Nations elders, past, present, and emerging. Laura, do you want to play a game? <laughs> okay, go on. It's like, you know that the penis game? yeah <laughs> And get louder and louder. Yeah. Let's do it with Sex and City quotes. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, I'm sorry, I can't, don't hate me. Now you do it. Bullshit, Gary, and you know it! <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's the one that Berger says? <laughs> fuck you! And fuck, fuck you! <laughs> <laughs>